All right. Okay. All right. It's iPhone Photo Show time here. Jefferson Graham and Scott Bourne. And you know, it, I think there's going to be a lot of iPhone news, photography-wise, in the coming days. Wouldn't you say, Scott? Yeah, we're about to get the iPhone 15. Of course, we both know that the real interest is in the iPhone 16, but we'll wait on that. Yeah. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that and I think sort of answer the question to all the people out there who have 14s and 13s and 12s, do you really need to upgrade? Let's start with the latest, as always, USB-C for charging and a Periscope camera on the top of the line, more expensive, iPhone Pro 15 Max which is going to be $100 more. It'll be $1,200, though it could, when Scott pays for it, it could be $2,000 plus, because he's going to get the, if he got buys it, it'll be with the two terabyte version. And sales tax. And I mean, keep in mind, if it's 1200 bucks where I live, it's 120 more right there for sales tax. And I do buy Apple Care, and they tax that. And I do buy the extra RAM. They tax that. Okay, so USB-C, we've been talking about a lot. Um, on this Periscope lens that's uh, supposed to match what Samsung does, the only difference is, is that Samsung's S23 Plus has a 10X, and they're saying that this Apple phone, this new one, only on the top-of-the-line model, will have a 5 or 6X, which to me is unacceptable. What say you, Scott? Well, I want to see the image quality before I pass judgment. I'm gonna, I, I, I already have come to kind of a understanding of what I think is going to happen. I think there's going to be an ultra model like there is with the watch. And that's the one that's going to have the big periscope lens. That's going to be the one that has all the Bantapuru best of the best stuff on it. And it's going to be higher in price than any phone they've ever sold. It's going to be 14 or 1500 and it may be delayed. Now, I don't think very many people need that phone. But what I am kind of excited about is that, from what I understand from sources who I have trusted over the years, the 15 run-of-the-mill phones will all get the processor and the sensor from the 14 Pro. So you won't have to pay top-of-the-line money to get top-of-the-line results. So if you're a person that just says, you know, I always just buy the basic phone, well, good news for you, because it looks like you're going to get the same sensor and processor that's in the current 14 Pro, which costs quite a bit more. If that rumor holds true, Jefferson, then that is going to be my recommendation to people. Buy those lower line phones to step up. Well, let's talk about the processing, because every every year they get up on stage and they say, no chip has ever been this quick and it's fast and it's this yeah. and it's unbelievable. And my eyes just glaze over, and I said, "Wait, well, yeah, my iPhone's fast. I, I haven't really felt the need for more speed. So set me straight here." Well, it's not that. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I feel the same way. Except that what what the stuff that does matter is some of the back end magic can only take place with these new processors. Some of the better autofocus capabilities, some of the better stabilization capabilities. Some of the better rendering capabilities all come from this new processor. And yeah, as far as my phone comes on the second I touch it, I, ca I can't imagine it being a millisecond faster and me noticing it. But there is some technology behind all this uh, 
computational photography that does require the faster, more powerful uh, uh, processors. So for that reason, you you might want to have it. Okay. So um, I don't have the exact numbers here, but I believe the entry-level iPhone 14 is $800. And that when you go to the Pro version, it's 1000 And when you go to the Pro Max, it's 1100 Does that sound about right? Yeah. So I think you're going to be able to see the 15 in that same category, although we've heard a rumor that everything is going to be $100 more. So uh, that would be 9 100 to start, but you're going to get, like I say, the processor and the sensor from the 14 Pro. So it's a good deal, especially if you, you know, here's the, if you have a 12, you should upgrade to at least one of those basic phones. If you have a 13, you should probably upgrade to one of those 15 mainline phones. Do you need the 15 Ultra? If you're me or Jeff, yeah. But we make a living with the phone. Uh, if you're not that person, I I don't know. I'm I gotta say, I'm gonna talk about Moment for a second. I got my Moment case today with the adapter to put on the new T series lenses, which I will have by our next show. If what I have seen, I got some pictures from them. There were test shots taken with these lenses on the main camera lens of the 14 Pro Max. And I got to tell you, Jefferson, I would be hard pressed to think that they did that. You know, I would think they came from a DSLR. They are well, very high quality. Let's remind everybody that there are three three lenses on the phone, and only one of them is super sharp, and that is the wide one X lens. The telephoto is not as sharp, and the ultra wide is not as sharp. So the whole beauty of this moment system is that you put this telephoto lens over the one X lens the sharpest lens, and now you've got a way sharper image than you would get with the telephoto on the iPhone, correct? Yes, and you get the 48 megapixel resolution because those other two cameras only have 12 megapixel resolution. So once you switch to the ultra-wide or the telephoto, you drop down to 12 megapixels. Now, I think 12 megapixels is fine, but for those who are excited about having more resolution, that 48 lives only on the main camera. And where that does come in handy is if you throw on something like the, the Moment telephoto lens on that 1X camera lens that, that's uh, 48 megapixels, you could crop 400% and it really get the equivalent of, of quite a long zoom and get away with it because you'd still be cropping down to the 12 megapixels you used to have. I think it's exciting. I'm not going to completely jump into that funnel until I tested it for myself. But I think it, it is probably, if you're going to look at something, you want to save money, you might be able to get the old 14 phones for $100 less once the 15 lands. That'll help you buy one of these moment lenses, throw that sucker on, and you know I'm going to guess you'll have better pictures than you'll get out of the 15. Okay, so with the Moment lens, you need to buy a Moment case for it to fit on there, right? It's 29 bucks. Okay. And then $4.99 for the drop-in adapter. Okay, sounds good. Now, let's talk about the people that say, you know, I'm happy with my 14, I'm happy with my 13, and I don't want to upgrade. Do I have to? To which I would say, no, you don't. It just depends. Do you want a USB charging cable 
um, you know, well, you know, cable is $10, so it, it's not that big of an inconvenience. Do you want the, the bigger Zoom? How important is that to you? How important should it be, how Scott? Well, how fast is that USB-C cable going to charge? That's the thing we still don't know about. Right. I don't believe it's going to be Thunderbolt speeds. If it were, it'd be time to get the angelic choir tuned up and play Toccata and Fugue in D minor behind them as they sing praises to the heavens. I think it'll be throttled. But if it's twice as fast as the lightning cable, boy, howdy, that's a reason upgrade for guys like me and you who spend hour after hour after hour trying to download files from our phones to our computers. Uh, I hope it's faster. I've been told it is faster. And when I asked how fast, I got all kinds of gobbledygook that said, it's the fastest charging cable we've ever delivered. And you know what that means. <laughs> well, you know, for me, it's a no-brainer. But um, I'm thinking about, you know, I was arguing with a woman today who has an iPhone 11, and she will not give it up under any circumstance. And I was like, you know, your camera just is not as good as the later cameras. And that's just the way it is. And, uh, and I know there's a lot of people who just don't want to give it up. And uh, they're happy. You know, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to spend. Now, for, for me, it's, it's part of my job. It's part of my work. So I'm, I'll, I'll do it. But I know a lot of people just don't want to do it. Well, I got to say, unless you're going from the 13, like older than the 13, I, I think it's a mistake to keep the phone. Yeah, because I've had the 12, and the 12 does not compare to the 14. Trust me, it just doesn't. Oh, or the 13. Yeah. You know, you keep in mind, if you're doing video and you want to do ProRes, you've got to have the 13. And, you know, so maybe it makes sense to upgrade from the 11 to the 13. You can buy one on one of these places like Gazelle and, and save some money. You know, but... I have to say, if what I understand to be true ends up being true, if you get the same, again, I, I'm going to say the same thing. If you get the processor and the sensor that you got in the 14 Pro for regular iPhone 15 money, now's the time to go. Because when you add the USB-C, the uh, other stuff, that you know, now there'll be people that say, I upgrade because the colors are cool. Yeah. I'm not that guy. I could not care less. I say to the, the people selling me the phone, what's the cheapest one you got? Gold, pink, blue? I don't care. I'll take that one. It's colors irrelevant. You can put a case on it anyway. Right. You know, then there's always talk about, well, it's titanium and it goes edge to edge. And it, I, I just don't care about any of that stuff. Apple does. I don't. Now, is the battery going to be three hours longer? That would get my attention. Yeah, well, they'll say it. They'll say it's faster. They will definitely say it's faster because they say that they'll say year. it's it'll they'll say it lasts longer, right? They'll say everything's faster. They'll say, it, but the way they always do it, Jeff, you and I always get our back up a little about this because we're we're people that are a little bit smarter than they are at Apple. They say they won't tell you how much faster. They'll say it's the fastest iPhone we've ever made. Yeah, it's like me saying, you know, is this car got an engine that goes zero to 60 in 4.9 seconds. Well, we can't tell you that, but it's the fastest engine we've ever made. Oh, well, what good is that compared against what? What's, you know, it doesn't mean anything. So if it lasts longer, the battery lasts longer than any iPhone we've ever made and the processor's faster than any processor we've ever made, that's marketing gobbledygook and Apple's wonderful at it. I'm not going to buy it. 
because of that. I'm interested strictly in the cameras. Now, I have the 14 Pro Max. It's the best cell phone camera I've ever seen. It surprises me on a daily basis how good it is. And if I throw those moment lenses on and my tests end up proving out what I think to be true, I may not need a 15. On the other hand, if the 15 Pro Max Ultra, whatever they end up calling it, ends up having two terabytes of storage, I could use that because I fill up a, a one terabyte phone. And if it does have a USB-C cable and it is faster than the Lightning, I might buy it just for that because I hate waiting on the Lightning cable to download. Is there going to be a 10x periscope lens? If there was, that would push me over the edge. I'd just press the buy button right away. But if it's a 3, 5, or a 6x, eh, I can get there with the moment lens on the main camera and crop in a little bit. So I don't know. So let's figure the 5, 6x is about a 125, 135 millimeter, we figure. In that neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, because the 3x is 77, and on the Galaxy, the 10x is 200. So. Yeah, it, it, it needs to be a 10X if it wants to really compete. But, you know, looking at Apple's marketing over the last 10 years, they don't seem at all disturbed by what the other companies are doing. They don't seem to ever chase that. They don't seem to ever factor that in. They're like, yeah, that's an Android phone. We don't care. Right. Uh, I think yeah. it's a mistake. Now, to our listeners who would say, okay, I'm going to go get the new phone, um, the 14, I think, went from 256, 512, and 1 TB. And now, so the new one, I assume, will be the same. Do you recommend that they get a minimum of half a terabyte, or should they go all the way with a terabyte? What should they do? Well, Jefferson, one of my sources, says that half terabyte is going to be the minimum. Oh, great. Great. If that's the case... It makes sense because they're going to have more RAM than they've ever had before. They're going to have faster processors. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you would definitely want to have 512 as a minimum. It, it, it definitely makes a difference because otherwise you're just going to be constantly having to delete photos off your, your phone. It's just, it's going to be a nightmare because especially if you use your phone like most of us do, it's not just your camera. It's your web browser, it's your email client, it's your calendar, it's your telephone, it's your, you know, you load all these apps on the sucker, and now all of a sudden you're 512, that just handles all your apps. Well, it's, it's, it's still primarily video and photos. If you ever look in your settings, a good 80%, I know, a good 80% yeah. is particularly video. Um, I, I was on the phone with a friend. This week, he said he wanted to use his phone, shoot a bunch of video, but he, he wanted to clear room, and he had a 256, and he already shot two and a quarter. And he was like, what am I going to do? And I told him the long way. He didn't like it, but he had his stuff in iCloud, and I told him the minute he deletes off his phone, everything's going to be deleted from iCloud. So he needed to download everything from iCloud and then re-upload it to iCloud, iCloud Drive. He felt that was too onerous, but I don't know any other way what he's going to do. Or you'd have to copy it in the files section over to some kind of hard drive. Um, yeah, it's it's all very clunky, that part of using. That's the one thing that stops a lot of my friends in the cinema business from using the iPhone more often because they have, you know, they may have a 14-day shoot. They've got producers on set that want to see daily rushes. They can't even get the files off the phone until the next day. So they're already behind 24 hours on the rushes. 
and they they get they can get fired for that. So they they just say, "Look, I'd love to use it. Uh, it shoots in ProRes, which is what we like to use. A lot of these people are using Black Magic uh, on their sets, and that's ProRes, so it would match up perfectly in post. But they can't do it because it just takes too dadgum long to get the footage on the phone. Now, if it's a short, you know, if it's a half day shoot, and you're not capturing tons of footage, you can get away with it." Um, yeah, so it's a lot easier for them to just shoot on a memory card and pull it out, right? Yeah. One day. One day. My dream. Okay, one day we'll get there. <laughs> Tell everybody about this photo that you, you posted this week with the motion. I really liked it. Tell everybody what it was. Oh, oh, yeah. So I was sitting there looking, you know, I, I'm photographing these little cars. They're like matchbox size cars. They're 164 scale. They're about two inches long. <laughs> And I try to make them look like real cars, but I was sitting there playing with it. And I, I was just thinking about the marvel of being alive at a time when we have a camera in our cell phone that is so powerful and so easy to wield. So I just gave myself an assignment. I want to spend 10 minutes doing crazy stuff with the phone, just putting it like right on top of the car, touching the car, underneath the car, move it all around it and see if I come up with an image you know, that I know I wouldn't have ever gotten with a DSLR or mirrorless camera. And I found one. It was a unique perspective shooting down and kind of at an angle on the car. And it gave me the idea of I wanted to illustrate speed. So then I went into post and used Boris effects and I added a bunch of special effects to it. Not AI. There's people that confuse these things. Before we had the big current AI craze with mid-journey, et cetera, Etc. Boris Effects was working in the special effects industry in motion pictures for decades, and they converted their software for still photographers and hobbyist video people to use. And they have a program called Boris Effect Optics, which I use almost exclusively now. I don't even use Photoshop hardly uh, to do my editing. And I created all these effects using a particle generator, and uh, it's it's a different technology, but. I made this picture that looks like there's sparks flying off of it, smoke and all that. But what really made it all possible, Jefferson, was the fact that I could literally almost touch the car and and just hold my phone in, in, in this odd position and just moving it all over the place. And it, and it came out sharp. And can your finger on the shutter wasn't too hard when, when you're doing this? Well, I was doing the old hold it. I was using timer. The volume button. Oh, volume. Okay. I was using the volume button, and I just kept it down, like you know, uh, burst speed, okay. burst mode, and it was just sort of like there's yeah, there was several that were blurry, but there'd be enough that were sharp that I could pick one from pretty much every pose. Boris effects like eight. Go, go ahead. Boris effects uh, added the motion. Yes, I put the motion in in Boris effects. So I, it's a still photograph, but it made it look like it was moving using Boris effects. I can control all the stuff. Now, one trick I did use was I had these, I saw this ad for make your own mouse pads. So I went out and I got stock photos of a bunch of roads and I licensed those photos and then I put them on these mouse pads and then I put the motion effect on the road so anything that was sitting on the road would look like it's moving from the get-go so i could have the road moving and the car 
And so that's one trick I did too. So how do you do that? I, I mean, a basic Photoshop thing is you draw a circle around something and then you click a button. So what do you do in Boris Effects? Okay, so <laughs> Boris Effects has different categories of special effects. And, you, and it's called Boris Effects because you want to think of it like motion picture special effects, like Star Wars, you know, industrial light magic uh, team working for you. So you can do lighting effects. You can do color effects. You can do standard video color grading. You can do motion. You can do uh, you can do things like clouds and dust and particles. And you can you know what a gobo is, Jefferson? Yeah. So for our audience that doesn't know, gobo is like a lighting effect where you'll put a a pattern in front of the light, and that pattern will be projected onto something. Boris Effects generates, there's over a hundred of these patterns you can generate in Boris Effect. It looks like you're shooting through a window. So I used a bunch of different things, probably 14 different filters in Boris Effects. And you just create layers just like you would in Photoshop. And you can, you know, mask things in and out. And uh, I masked out the car separately from the road, which I masked out separately from the smoke, which I masked out separately from the dust, et cetera, et cetera. And what does Boris Effects cost? It's not cheap. Ninety nine right? bucks or a hundred. That's it. Bucks. It's not. Oh. It's not at all expensive. It's a yearly. It is a yearly subscription. Okay, so you lease it. You lease it. Yeah. I will say though, it's the only time that I've ever felt happy to pay that kind of money for a program that I literally use every day. I use Photoshop probably five percent of the time, and Boris Effects ninety five percent of the time. Anything I can do in Photoshop, with the exception of generating text, I can do in Boris Effects. Okay. But Filmic Pro is a different story. And by story. the way, Kel yeah, our friend Kelby, uh, Scott Kelby, Kelby Media, Kelby One, has training materials by Eric Kuna on how to use Boris Effects, which is basically how I learned to use it. I watched Eric's class, and then I started using it every day. And of course, if you use it every day, you become good at it. But the, the bottom line, folks, is it sounds scary when you talk about industrial light magic and particle generators and all that stuff. But if, if a rube like me can do it, anybody can do it. And Eric Cohen is the greatest. So I'm, He's a very good teacher. Yeah. And uh, he sure knows how to shoot his stars and rocket ships, right? Oh, my God. His rocket ship photographs are literally the best I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, iPhone photo team going strong, getting new members all the time. Our little website here that is a place to learn about iPhone photography. And I think we'll be talking a lot about a new phone coming out there as well and seeing people's pictures. Yeah, we'll also have, uh, Jefferson and I will have some guides. We even do some videos on how to get the most out of these new phones once we've figured it out. We'll share our secrets after we've tested it. And I'll also be posting some stuff there in the next couple of weeks about the moment lenses because I'll be putting them all through their paces. I expect to have them any day. So you want to go to iPhonePhotoTeam.com. It's free to sign up. Just come and hang out with us. And uh, no salesman will call, as they used to say. Uh, you're just welcome to hang out. You have to give us a credit card and all that stuff. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's a fun place to post your pictures. Yeah, it would be hard to call because we don't have anybody's phone number anyway. And nobody answers the phone either, right? Yeah. I'm probably the last person in the universe that uses my iPhone as a phone. Oh, I use it. I don't answer it all the time, but I, I do use it. The <laughs> problem is I get so many spam calls, don't you? 
Well, you know, now that I'm old and no longer relevant, Jefferson, my phone doesn't ring near as much as it used to. It used to ring 200 times a day. Now it probably rings twice a month. So I, I, I don't mind it. I I use it all the time as a phone. So that, yeah. that's Yeah, well, in, in my past life at USA Today, my phone rang a lot. But in my last 10 years, it really tapered off to the everybody shifted to email, which was good because, you know, they'd call you with a pitch and they'd say, hi, I have a story that I think you might be interested in. Uh, and you would just go on and on and on. You just get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. And so I think email is actually a lot better for cold calls. I mean, you wouldn't make a cold call to anybody anymore, right? Uh, probably not. Although there might be a few exceptions if I, I mean, in the, in the old days I used to call cold call editors for the various magazines, the bird magazines and stuff that I would do work with. And my trick was I would call between seven and eight New York time because the secretaries all got there at eight and I didn't want any gatekeepers stopping me from getting through to the photo editor. So I knew that they would typically be here early. So I'd call and I'd say, hey, I looked at, at your editorial calendar. It looks like you got hummingbirds coming up in August. I'm going to be in Madeira Canyon. Would you like me to go do a shoot for you? And I could never get a chance to make that call if there's a secretary there. She would say, if you have an appointment, I'll let you through. But otherwise, no. So, what is this regarding? Actually, what is this regarding? Right? Yeah. What is this regarding? Um, and I, I, you know, so I would do it for that. But. You know, the world is a different place. Actually, sometimes, Jefferson, I think if I had to break into the photography world as a, like right now to start a career, I would look for communication methods that nobody else is using. I'd probably FedEx something to somebody uh, overnight with special attention or something to try to stand out. But just to give you an idea, I one time went into, um, I won't, I, I, I will uphold some confidence, I was asked to, a very well-known photo editor's office in the Time Life building, is all I'll say, in New York City, and stacked up on all four walls in his office to about eight feet high were manila envelopes with pitches and slides and, and people trying to solicit, hey, I want to sell you my photos. And I mean, there had to be a thousand of them in there. And they were all stacked up. And I said, do you look at these? Goes, yeah, if I'm bored, I'll, I'll grab a couple. I said, what percentage of these do you see? Oh, 1%. Uh, you know, it, so it's hard to stand out. It's hard to get anybody to, to look at your work. There are people that believe if you just post it online, the magic photography job fairy will connect you. And I guess that does happen for some people. But it's hard. It's hard to stand out. I sometimes think that the telephone does offer a, a personal touch that you can't get from an email, but you're right. Somebody has to take the call. No, they have to take the call. I'm just saying that, yeah, I wouldn't cold call somebody. I would send them a note and say, can I call you? And and then let them say yes. So that would be my, my trick. Now that what you mentioned about the Manila folders was at a time where people actually got paid for photos. And now you're just yeah. expected to give it to them for nothing. Yeah, there is that too. I mean, back... When I got my first covered outdoor photographer, I think I got $15,000. Really? When I got my last covered dinner, I got $150. And that sounded generous for them, right? Yeah. They're out of business now. But um, yeah, the trajectory went downhill. There was a time I used to hang out with 
a bunch of guys that made money on stock. I mean, before micro stock. Um, John Shaw, one of the world's best nature photographers at a time. Um, and, you know, he, he and I and a couple of the guys would send in like 100,000 slides a year. And there was a rule. You get paid about a dollar a year per slide. So if you wanted to make a hundred grand a year, you made sure to send them a hundred thousand slides. And that, that worked for a long, long time. And then Microstock came in and it just started to, to blow it up. And, uh, so that business went away and all the ways that I used to make money in, in, in the 1980s and nineties and two thousands are pretty much gone. Now you have to have a man bun and a YouTube following with a million people for anybody to take you seriously. My days of growing a man bun are long gone, and I, I continue to futz with YouTube, but I'll never have a big YouTube following. So I look my time is over. I'm looking forward to seeing your man bun. Um, <laughs> for all of our listeners who don't know what a slide is, there was once upon a time Kodachrome and Ectochrome, and... Um, uh, uh, Velvia and uh, uh, some of the, uh, a whole bunch of other f film brands, and you used to submit all your pictures on slides. So yeah, we uh, fill we fill up a, sl a sleeve with twenty slides. We put two cardboard pieces, one on either side, around it. We put a rubber band around that. We'd have a, a one sheet inside with what the images were and what we thought what job because we would all get copies of the editorial calendar in advance, you know, say like six months from now, we're going to be working on this seven months from now. And we'd say, I think this goes with, you know, the July issue and we would mail it in. And I, I tried to remember, I'll never forget when I used to have a bunch of assistants that were all going to photography school at Brooks, they came to me and they spent a summer with me. And so I did all that. And they were like, wait a minute, you're mailing your pictures to this guy. And I said, yeah, well, what happens if they get lost? Well, they get lost, they get lost, you know. Said, well, well, why didn't you just email them to him? And I said, dude, this is before email. Well, well, couldn't you have used Facebook? We didn't have computers. <laughs> I mean, they, you just, they kept coming at the question because they just couldn't fathom a world without a desktop computer, social media, and email. And I'm like, no, believe it or not, we sent this stuff through the mail for 50 years and it just worked that way and it was fine. Uh, but there are always new methods. <laughs> now we attach them to an email, and we worry about. And we we used to worry about how big the picture was, and now it doesn't seem to matter anymore, right? The, the files were too big. Now everything is fine. Um, I just scanned my slides last week, and I'm happy I did it. I actually I don't know if I mentioned this, but I I tried holding a slide up to a uh, soft box, a white soft box, and then to going macro mode on the iPhone. I got a a better picture than you would think but I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of slides. I, years ago, I had my entire slide library drum scanned, which is professionally the best quality you could get at the time. It was state-of-the-art. And even now, those pictures don't look that good to me, even though they were drum scanned and it was very expensive. Um, there's, there's no real good way to take those slides and turn them into a digital photograph. Right. Uh, much better to start in camera with a digital image the or the quality that we can get. Yeah, the quality we're getting on the iPhone is better than I was getting on slides 30, 40 years ago. And the next time that you hear from Scott and Jeff, we will tell you what we think of that new iPhone that's been announced, right? We will. We promise. And we'll talk about it at the iPhone photo team. 
So thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, check us out, the iPhonePhotoTeam.com. And Scott, plug your, your Hot Toys website. Uh, well, just I, I got a new blog called Diecast Car Love. And it's all pictures of Hot Wheels and Mini GT and Tarmac and other brands of 164 scale cars. Yeah, I know it's weird, but hey, I, I like it. It's fun. And those of you who know me for years know I used to have a real car collection. Now I'm able to have 5,000 cars because they don't take up as much room. And uh, there are stuff you can learn from how I do that, no matter what you photograph. So check it out, Die Cast Car Love. Uh, I have a blog, an Instagram account for it, and uh, also I'm an iPhone photo team. Uh, whatever makes you happy, Scott. Uh, PhotoWalksTV.com. Uh, I'll have a new episode on YouTube this weekend. I haven't decided whether it will be Boulder or Prescott, Arizona, but by the time you hear this, I'll have made up my mind. So be sure to listen and come back to the iPhone Photo Show with Jeff and Scott next week. See you then. All righty.